Welcome to another Richard Pyatt show. We're visiting once again with the folks at Summit Point, a special series of the program in which we visit with the Behavioral Health Authority in Calhoun County, Michigan, based in Battle Creek. And today we're focused on autism. In fact, there is a Summit Point Autism Center focused on exactly uh, this challenge. And, uh, and we're talking today with Dr. Mindy Oyston, who oversees autism services at Summit Point. Mindy, hello, and thank you. Hello, how are you? Very good. Thanks for this time. Let's uh, start at the beginning. They say that's a good place to start, so let's do that. Let's talk about what autism really is. How do you define it? That is a bit of a loaded question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So autism, very broadly, is a developmental disorder and one that we would expect to see symptoms starting to develop by the time the child turns three. When we look at the symptoms of autism, there's sort of two broad categories of symptoms. So one of those symptom categories is deficits in social skills and communication skills. And the other broad category is what we call restricted or repetitive behavior. The deficits in social and communication skills is Maybe the easier one to start with, this is things like just difficulty communicating your wants and needs or not knowing how to navigate a conversation with another person, um, not being able to imitate another person, not knowing how to respond to social cues, those kinds of things. Restricted and repetitive behaviors, um, there's quite a variety of those. So this is where we might see someone who has a lot of trouble adapting to changes in routine or engaging in some repetitive movements such as flapping their hands for long periods of time or just wanting to spin in circles all day or playing with objects in a repetitive way. It might be instead of spinning in circles themselves, they might be spinning objects and watching them roll. And this is also where you'll see a lot of children get hyper-focused on certain topics where they can't talk about anything else or they might start to show some unusual sensory interests, wanting to smell things or feel different textures with their hands or opposite of that, some what we call sensory defensive behaviors where they overreact to noise or other kinds of sensory stimulation. So have we been uh, really clear about autism for a reasonable amount of time? I mean, it seems as though we've been learning more about it, is my point, over the last several years. That is true. So we've only really even known about autism as a disorder since about the 40s is when it was discovered. So it is relatively recent in the history of everything. Um, But over the past decade or so, there's been a ton of research that has really helped our understanding of it. And that research has led to us being able to do better diagnoses, earlier diagnostic testing, being able to catch it earlier, have more effective services and start services sooner. Well, and and that leads us to the next question. How does the Summit Point Autism Center help and, and how do you focus on that help? Great question. So the Summit Point Autism Center is able to offer a lot of services. First thing that we can start with is we can do the diagnostic evaluations here ourselves for anyone um, under the age of 21. Uh, That's the individual that we serve currently, Medicaid population under the age of 21. We can do the full diagnostic evaluation and tell you, you know, does your child have autism or not? And from there, if they have autism, we offer 
case management, as well as applied behavior analysis services. So what a case manager does for a family of a child with autism is help coordinate their supports and services. So meeting with the family regularly to talk about their needs, make referrals to appropriate services, and then check in with them every few months to say, hey, how are those services going? What else can we do to help? Myself and our case manager, we also work with the special education school district to facilitate uh, getting individuals into special education services to the school if that's needed. Mm-hmm. Applied behavior analysis services. So we can help with that in a variety of ways. We can offer that kind of therapy. It's called ABA for short. We can offer ABA ourselves right out of our center. We have a center-based program. We have the staff here. Or if that's not quite exactly meeting the needs of the family, we have a lot of other ABA providers that we contract with as well. So we could facilitate referrals to some of those providers. ABA can be center-based like we are or in-home. It's a really intensive therapy. Kids might be in therapy anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week or more. We have kids who come here four hours a day, five days a week. Um, And we work on teaching a lot of skills. So social skills, communication skills, toilet training. If they're picky eaters, we can work on getting them to eat a wider variety of foods. If they refuse to drink water, we can work on just teaching them to be willing to drink water. We also work on um, decreasing any behaviors that could be a challenge or that could interfere with them being able to make progress. So if they have any aggressive behaviors or some of those repetitive behaviors might just be so severe that it prevents them from being able to do other things, we can work on decreasing some of those behaviors as well through ABA therapy. Is there a a simple way to characterize how ABA works? Uh, It sounds like, you know, it has the ability to help a person change their behaviors, but that, that doesn't sound easy. It's not. Everything that we do in ABA is based on the concept of positive reinforcement. So teaching kids that doing good things results in good things. Using good skills makes life easier. And therefore, that's a good thing. Um, Being able to go to the bathroom on your own is a lot easier than relying on someone to have to help you with that all the time. Being able to sit down and feed yourself is easier than having to wait for someone else to come in and feed you um, that kind of stuff. Being able to play with others can be reinforcing in itself. So learning the skills to be able to do that. So everything we do, even when we talk about decreasing behaviors, it's based on positive reinforcement still, because I mean, every behavior, whether it's a problem behavior or not, every behavior, we like to say, Inappropriate behavior, it's just an inappropriate form of an appropriate intent. Whatever the child wants in the moment, it's perfectly okay to want a break, to want to go eat a snack. It's perfectly okay. They just need to learn, you know, finish the current task before they do it. Or, you know, we got to go to the bathroom first before we can leave to go to the store. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to teach what we call those replacement behaviors, those coping skills. So is it almost exclusively that an autism diagnosis comes uh, to a child or can adults have a new diagnosis as well? Adults can get a diagnosis for a first time, but in that case, it's not that the diagnosis itself or the disorder itself is new or setting in for the first time. I see. It's that it's been there and for some reason, just no one ever realized it. Maybe they were misdiagnosed or they just 
they were high functioning enough to get by. So they never got testing done and no one ever really realized what they were struggling with. So mm, okay. we do have older individuals get diagnosed for the first time, but it's not the disorder setting in that late. It's just that that's when it's finally being identified. So someone's listening to this, uh, Mindy, and she or he has a child who has received an autism diagnosis recently. They're in Calhoun County. How can you help them? What should they do? Here we work with individuals with Medicaid only. Um, So if they are in Calhoun County, they have Medicaid, they should call us and let us know what's going on. And we can talk them through everything from there. If they've already been diagnosed, we can have them bring in a copy of their diagnostic report and we can look over it, talk to the family about it and identify what their needs for services are and work on getting that set up. If they've never had an evaluation done and they're just thinking maybe it needs to be done, call us and we can help facilitate. We can do some screeners with the family to get some more information and make sure that that testing is really what is needed and get the testing done. And then from there, again, just work on getting the services set up. Um, If you don't have Medicaid, I would say call your insurance company and find out what they offer for you. Okay. And I was going to bring that up just to be clear that if you don't have Medicaid, but you're navigating a diagnosis through a, a provider with an insurance company uh, backing you up. I presume that that provider in most circumstances is helping you navigate uh, some of these uh, paths. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have had people call here before and say, hey, I don't have Medicaid, but we just want some resources. And we're more than happy to do that consult over the phone and give them some resources and point them in the right direction of where they can go that will be covered by their insurance. All right. Summitpoint.org has more information. That link is in the show notes for this episode, our Summit Point series right here on the Richard Pyatt Show podcast. Thanks for looking in. 